Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hey everyone, today's episode of Strictly Hoop Talk is going to be a quick 20-minute podcast, so it's not going to be too long here. I have James Edwards of The Athletic coming on to break down the Detroit Pistons draft and free agency. Now, there are 30 teams in the league, and you know I love talking about the Pistons, but I can justify this because this new GM, Troy Weaver, has made a lot of transactions. No team has been more active since the start of the quote-unquote offseason than the Detroit Pistons. So we did a quick little podcast breaking down everything that's going on and what could potentially uh, happen moving forward. And as far as the rest of the league goes, I will be having more podcasts coming very shortly about uh, about the rest of the league. For a, for a time frame reference, this was recorded at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. This will be up around 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So... Um, just so that you know in case any deals happen uh, un- until then. Just now it's been reported that Fred Van Fleet got four years, $85 million from the Toronto Raptors. Um, shout out Fred Van Fleet, that's a hell of a bag. But yeah, so we're just kind of talking the Pistons, kind of just focusing on the draft and free agency and everything that everything that the Pistons have, have made because there's been a lot of moves that have left a lot of Pistons Twitter very up in arms and, and just questioning a lot. So James and I kind of sort through the madness together and, and break it down. So quick housekeeping before this episode starts, I want you to please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at real Chris Platty, C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. I know you know how to spell real. Give me a follow there, and you can find um, you can find the best way to stay up to date on my thoughts on both hip-hop music and NBA basketball, as well as just when the podcasts are coming. So, man, without further ado, let's just get to the episode. This is Strictly Hoop Talk featuring James Edwards of The Athletic. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host Chris Platty and returning to the podcast is, you know him, you know the deal, my favorite Piston writer, James Edwards of The Athletic. James, man, I got so many questions. How are you doing with the, with all the mayhem going on and how compact everything is? Just first of all, first and foremost, how's everybody in your life right now? Everybody's safe, everybody healthy in this as we're experiencing the second wave? Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, no, everybody's good. Everybody's healthy. I'm probably the uh, the the least sane one right now. Uh, 
but I, I can't really complain too much. I haven't had much to do for the last eight months. <laughs> that that's true. That's true. You have, but but now it's all packed into this ten day window, which is crazy. And and I, you know me, James. I'm always ready to talk about the Pistons, but this is a time when we could actually justifiably talk about the Pistons and do a whole pod just focused on the Pistons because. They have there have been few teams that have been as active as Detroit in both the draft and free agency. So real quick, I want to hit on the draft. Uh, I don't want to get into necessarily assessing assessing you know what do we think of Isaiah Stewart, what do we think of of, of all the draft picks, but I want to get into necessarily just the the idea that Detroit came in with just one pick, the seventh pick, and walked away with four draft picks and made some moves that um, that a lot of people question even ahead of the draft, the Bruce Brown trade, the Luke Kennard trade. So coming into this, James, were you, was Detroit as active as you expected? Did you expect them to make any more moves? What was what was your tone as you saw everything playing out? Uh, or what was your thoughts as you saw everything playing out on draft night for Detroit? Yeah, it was a lot of thoughts. Um, from what I was told leading up to the draft, the Pistons wanted to build up their youth they wanted to get younger but they also wanted to be competitive and that and that was kind of the message leading up to this week and then they did kind of then they did the Bruce Brown trade the Luke Kennard trade and like you said entered the draft with one pick and left with four rookies mm-hmm. um and in my mind obviously uh, I'm talking to people while this is going on but you're you're trying to get information on the deals they're doing and there's certain things that kind of slip through the cracks so in my mind I'm thinking maybe they just decided that they can't be as competitive or at least put together a somewhat competitive roster and they're just going to pivot and and go full teardown. And I think that kind of got lost in the sauce when you kind of look at the juxtaposition that happened yesterday um, and what happened leading up to Friday. I think everybody probably thought from Monday to Thursday that this was going to be a complete teardown. And then Friday kind of shows that, no, they were still sticking to their original statement and signing, and signing Jeremy Grant and Plumlee and, um, two guys that, I mean, you can argue um, the value for those two, but, I mean, they make you a better basketball team. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much better? I, I don't think enough to uh, that this team's going to be a playoff team or anything, but it is – I do think the messaging got lost in, in, the, in the moves they did on draft day and leading up to it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it really all just does kind of go back to what they were saying publicly and behind the scenes to me. Um, is that they wanted to be somewhat com- they wanted to put a competitive roster on the floor that would fight every night while still having a good balance of veteran and young players. Yeah, and that and that makes sense that it's kind of unfolding out this way, right? Like the draft is your chance to get young, free agency is your chance to get competitive or or get veteran veteran presence. So, um, like you like you said, I thought when the Pistons made all these picks, especially the Luke Kennard trade, I thought, okay, this is a team that wants to commit to uh, getting a lot of young guys and getting a lot of young talent and maybe it's going to use that tr- that cap space in free agency to then just kind of acquire some contracts uh, maybe get some more future assets and go about it go about it that way um, the Luke Kennard trade I want to spend a, a second on that was something that that seemed to have come out of nowhere we know the Clippers highly valued Luke Kennard for for quite some time but um, that that trade to me was a move that that really struck me because I it made sense because even though Luke Kennard is a young player and he 
he does fit kind of he does fit roughly in the Pistons timeline maybe a year maybe a year or two a little older than what the Pistons are going for now with all the rookies and stuff that they have but he he does fit relatively in in the timeline but just because he's he's a young player and he fits the timeline doesn't necessarily mean he fits the Dwayne Casey timeline so I I I I made sense of that trade what did you make of that trade yeah I mean I've been kind of hinting at it for the last eight months that Luke there was very likely Luke was going to be traded I mean Mm -hmm. it got to the point where the commenters and the athlete at the athletic Detroit and I I have great commenters in comparison to what you see on Twitter and other publications um uh I guess subscribers I think if you're going to pay, you're probably more level-headed and yeah. <laughs> I don't want to use the word intelligent, but maybe a little more uh, a smarter of a sports fan. Yeah. So, but I was getting like jokes in the comments, like, why do you keep trying to trade Luke Kennard? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not trying to trade Luke. I'm letting you know that it's likely going to happen and that um, you should just be prepared for it. And mm-hmm. so it, it didn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, Maybe what might have surprised people is that the four second rounders that they ended up sending that came out later. Right. Um, but I think that was maybe the, the Clippers getting in some more insurance because there are concerns about Luke's knees. I mean, he was 24, yeah. and the, the guy missed three months with bilateral knee tendonitis in both knees. And I, and I had heard that, like, the issue, like the knees have been an issue for a while. I think even maybe dating back to Duke. Um, and then, yeah, it just it didn't. Uh, it didn't fit the Pistons timeline. I guess you could argue that now because they signed Jeremy Grant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Luke, while I think he's a good player, he doesn't really fit the mold of the type of player Troy Weaver likes. Um, yep. Long, athletic, versatile, defensive, can get after it. Luke doesn't really check those boxes. And then I, I think what I was told part of the reason for the trade is Luke's a guy that's, he hasn't really jumped onto the scene yet because of injuries and, how Detroit's roster was constructed his first two years. But, I mean, he's a guy that if you watch him closely, you see he's a little more advanced than I'd say mo- most in his draft class. I'm not saying he's better, but, like, I, he's a guy that fits – he's a guy that should be playing on a team that's competing for something. He's a yeah. good role player, um, a right. good a good pick and – like, he should be on a team that is, is going for something, not a team that's still trying to figure out what it is. Right. Um, and I think that was a big part from what I was told, that was a big part of the decision to move on from. And then he's a restricted free agent after this year. And I don't think he wanted to, he, the Pistons wanted to pay what he, what they think he'll get. So it was yeah. just better to cut ties now. And they like Sadiq Bay, mm-hmm. uh, who fits more Weaver style. So it, it made sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought the knee tendonitis thing because that is a, that is a real thing for me. I, I think that with when it comes to Luke Kennard, a player who's already not the most athletic uh, player, having bilateral knee tendonitis is something that that's scary because knee tendonitis is something, as you know, that can that could literally it could play it could go away tomorrow and he could never have it again, or it could stay with him for for his whole career. You know, it's one of those it's one of those things that's just knee tendonitis has so much range to it. Um, it can it can go away, come back, go away, come back. It can stay. It can it can linger. It so that really scared me when it came to Luke Kennard, and like you said, I I just think that the Pistons just weren't willing to pay that price tag that that was forthcoming for him. Now let's jump to free agency. And last thing on Luke too, oh, just so ahead. people wonder about the value. I was told that of the teams that 
called about Luke regularly. They were all teams kind of in the Clippers' tier in terms oh, of yeah. like te- teams. Comp- like there wasn't many rebuilding teams, if any, uh, calling for Luke where you could get like a top 12 pick or a lottery pick. It was more so, like I was saying, those teams looking to add depth and and role players. Yeah, I forgot that you had mentioned that in your article, by the way. Um, and that was and that was that made sense to me too of the idea of Luke Kennard fitting, uh, fitting more championship teams, more more of a defined role than what he had in Detroit. Um, so with free agency, free agency started pretty normal for the Pistons, picking up Josh Jackson and Okafor on a, on smaller deals. Josh Jackson with the room, Okafor with with the minimum. And then the Pistons decided to become the Denver Nuggets and pay Mason Plumlee and Jeremy Grant, and they were very expensive deals. Jeremy Grant, three years, uh, three years, sixty million. Mason Plumlee, three years, twenty-five million. I honestly like the Grant deal more than Plumlee, even though it's it's a way overpay factoring in the stretch provisions, which we'll get to. We'll get to the whole i uh, the whole stretch thing. I saw you talk about that on the timeline just recently today. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the Mason Plumlee one, just to me, James, it, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Not just because of the memes of the Pistons collecting, uh, collecting centers like they're Infinity Stones, but it, <laughs> it's the idea of Mason Plumlee is thirty, and I don't think he's that good. And this doesn't look like a contract to me on the surface that's movable. Yeah, I mean, that that could be the case. Um... Yeah, I don't love the money they got Plumlee for, uh, mm-hmm. to be clear. Um, I do like Plumlee's fit, though, when you have a developmental 19-year-old pick-and-roll point guard like Killian Hayes, who I, I do think is going to start. Yeah, I think Plumlee is a a solid NBA player. Um, I think he, he works well in the pick-and-roll as a lob threat. He's a good passer. He works hard. He fits kind of the identity and culture that Detroit's trying to bring. Now is that worth eight million a year? I I, I have questions. Um, I, I mean, it's weird because you look at the market for centers that we saw early. I mean, Miles Leonard, Myers Leonard got ten million a year. Um, I like Myers Leonard. Yeah. That feels like an overpay to me. Yep. Um, I think Derek Favors got nine million a year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, that seems right. That yeah, seems but I fair-ish. mean, yeah, but he's what? Is he? Th- he's over. He's over thirty, right? Yeah. How old is Derek? He's twenty nine. He just turned twenty nine. I mean, he averaged nine a game last year, nine rebounds. So that just kind of seemed. I wouldn't. I would say those two are above uh, Plumley in terms of, I guess, how good they are. Yeah. But I don't think they're much better. Like, if mm-hmm. somebody said they were in the same tier, I mean, I I would say Plumlee's maybe the in between their their tier and the tier under it, and he's getting paid less. So that just kind of seemed like the market for those type of centers. Um, but, yeah, I don't love it. It's, it might not be movable. But one thing Detroit did, and I wish I touched on it more in the story, but it was – three in the morning and I was running on an hour's sleep, but yeah. next year's free agency is going to be very similar to 2016 in which every team is pretty much going to have cap space. And there's going to be a lot of interesting contracts. So, I mean, there's a good case that the Plumlee deal is tradable in two yeah, years. In hindsight. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's um, that's very true. There's a there's a deal there's a possibility the Jeremy Grant contract is very much tradable in two mm-hmm. years. I mean, it's good to have kind of those mid level deals, those eight million, the seven million with that they have with Derrick Rose, mm-hmm. um to to piece trades together. So on the surface it doesn't look great, but if the long play is anticipating some bad contracts being thrown out next year. Yeah. It, it could look a little bit better uh, down the road. That's true. That's, that's a, that's a really good point bringing up 2016's free agency. Cause I think that, I think that there will be a lot of caution because that did just happen recently. So it will be in the heads of a lot of GMs recently, but I think it's still when you, when you just have that much cap space, I think it's bound to happen where there's going to be a lot of those contracts where some players just get way overpaid and, and and you're right that can make Plumlee's deal look more like a steal or it can make it just or it can maybe not even be a steal necessarily but be like you said a, a movable piece in a trade where Detroit then can then bring on uh bring on more salary which is I thought the route they were going especially with the Trevor Reza trade which they flipped Trevor Reza for Delon, Delon Wright um but I wanted to get to the the the, Jer- the Jeremy Grant deal, and specifically because of the stretch part of it. So they they stretched uh, Dwayne Dedman and Rodney Magruder, who they got in a trade for five years for three point nine million. Now it's not official yet, as as you noted on your Twitter, but you stated that it's uh it's something that's that's you've been told is very likely. Were there other options to make this uh, Jeremy Grant deal come up, especially when you talk about the Trevor Ariza trade for for Delon Wright that brought in about roughly that same that same level of of money that they needed to to sign Jeremy Grant? Why do you think the Pisses went with the with the stretch provision moves? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I, I don't know if they necessarily knew who was going to come in with the Ariza deal, so that, just to kind of cover the tracks. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to be ahead. Um, I know they did acquire Dwayne Dedman for that reason. Um, so since he had two years and it wasn't guaranteed, you're able to stretch it five instead of three, which makes the number so much smaller. Um, and, I mean, I get it. People are going to freak out because of the Josh Smith. Josh Smith, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like it's $2.9 million against the cap and dead money. Like they're not – what are you going to use $2.9 million on? Um, especially if you're trying to get younger, like you're not going to, there's no vet for that deal that where you are as Detroit, that that's going to make a difference. Like they're just not going to use that money. Um, and if it mean, and if they liked, apparently they like Jeremy Grant enough to make that, to make that move. So it was a way to kind of get salary cap space without having salary cap space. And I mean, it was a creative idea, whether or not it works out, time will tell, but it was a creative idea. Yeah, I think I think that just gets. I'm with you on that. I think it just because of the Josh Smith thing has so much uh, has so much fear in Detroit. I mean, we just technically got done paying Josh Smith, so the last thing I think Pitt fans wanted to see was uh, was two stretch provisions <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of one. Um, and lastly, before you get out of here, the Delon Wright trade, which was the like you said, that could have been something that they didn't expect to happen with the Trevor Ariza move. Um, but now they have Delon Wright in a trade, which I like on the surface. Trading Trevor Ariza for a guy like De- Delon Wright, who's young-ish, um, a year away, I think he could be. Uh, he, I think he's a good pick pickup and could potentially be somebody that's maybe moved at the deadline for a future asset. Um, I I just like it. I just like the fact that they that they swung Trevor Ariza for a guard who seems to be able to 
fit the rotation. I can see him playing the one or the two um, and really just kind of meshing with whoever's out there, the Der- Derek Rose, Killian Hayes, um, any any guard you throw out there, I can see it. I can see him working with. So I liked I liked that trade. Yeah, no, certainly. Like Delon is a guy that I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting at the two guard on opening mm-hmm. night alongside Killian Hayes. Um, I think he's insurance for a possible Derek Rose trade um, as a backup point guard. Yeah, um, he has history with Dwayne Casey in Toronto. Um, yeah, he's just a solid NBA guard who's been doing this for some time. I mean, he's not that old, but he's been fairly solid for a couple of years now. So um, it's a way to add guard depth, which they really needed to do. Uh, we all know Dwayne likes to use multiple ball handlers, have two point guards out there at the same time. Yeah, it's insurance, it's depth, um, and it's somebody who I think fits the culture and has an idea of what wants to be accomplished. So I, I like that trade. And it, they saved like $3.8 million in cap space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think DeLon only makes nine this year, and then it actually goes down to like 8.5 next year. So they'll save some money um, in comparison to Ariza who had a 12.8 cap hit. Yeah. I I like that trade a lot. And James, like you said in your article, um, which were great, by the way, great, great job on the, on both the draft article and the free agency article last night. Thank you. Uh, That I was up there with you in the wee hours reading, reading that as you were (laughs) right. I can only imagine. Um, But like you said in your article, this is a this is a work in progress. Pistons are not entering not entering the the season with seven centers. That's a promise. Um, there's going to be more moves to be made. But uh, thank you, James, for breaking down what has been to me the most interesting interesting team in the NBA so far in the draft and free agency. Um, I want to recommend all my listeners to. Follow James Edwards on Twitter if you don't already, and also subscribe to The Athletic and check out his writing because he he provides the best insight when it comes to the Detroit Pistons, and I and I always enjoy reading his articles. And I I miss now that the season's entering. I miss your off season articles, the the, <laughs> the articles that you had where you were finding the you know the the Detroit Church, the all all of those articles that. The Jersey one from from way back, which felt like forever ago now. I know, right? Because I think that was last season. I'm gonna miss those as we as we enter the season. Well, I don't anticipate this team winning too many games, so I'm gonna have to think other ways to get creative. <laughs> and and with everything being on Zoom this season, it's it's gonna be hard to kind of get the features on the players. Um, so I wouldn't anticipate those going away. Uh, but yeah, I have to think of some new ones. So. Yeah, they, they should still be here, uh, at least probably at the top of the year. Obviously, people want to know about the team for the first few weeks until they start losing, and then <laughs> the, the interest drops off. But this team's different. It's not a Blake Griffin, Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond team. There's a lot of young players that are going to play roles, and so maybe people stay stay for the long haul, but we'll see. Well, you know regardless, I'm in for the long haul, and you're in for the <laughs> long haul as well. <laughs> no, Definitely. All right, James, I don't want to take too much of your time. Get some sleep if you can. I doubt you can, but um, but uh, I wish you the best as you're, as you're going through this free agency, and we'll reconvene after, uh, after things settle down for you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for giving me your time, James. Have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. Soon, man. I'll see you.